hello and <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the What Hi-Fi podcast. This is the oral companion to a website and magazine that's been bringing you the best in hi-fi and home entertainment for over four decades. My name's Simon Lucas and I'm the editor of whathifi.com and I'm joined this afternoon by content editor Andy Madden. Hello. News editor Becky Roberts. Hello. And staff writer and podcast producer Adam Smith. Hey there. We've gathered round what is rather a small table this afternoon to talk about some of the news, reviews and other bits and bobs that's been exercising us lately. First of all, we'll start with the news. Yeah, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to kick it off with some bad news, and that is that after 14 years in the hi-fi and home cinema industry, Oppo is closing its doors this summer. The Chinese electronics company, which has obviously been big on smartphones, which we'll talk about more in a minute, um, is a brand that we mostly know for its 4K Blu-ray players, um, as well as their DAX and headphones. And that's the division that's closed down. Yeah, they were down. pretty well regarded, Oppo, especially the, uh, the Blu-ray players, right? People who um, fancy something uh, a little bit more capable than the more uh, regular Sony, LG-style 4K players have been using Oppo as their default yeah, machines. Right? five stars all around, I'd say, from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think obviously they started off with uh, DVD players back in the day. I think we reviewed a couple of those models. Obviously they progressed over the years as the uh, tech industry has advanced and we've seen their four cable Blu-ray players, which I believe have even won awards. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, it's safe to say that... It's safe to say that these 4K players were the, were the best that we'd seen, right, in terms yeah. of their, their video and their audio performance. Yeah, uh, the BDP... 105D a few years ago won an award um, and then when 4K sort of took off then the UDP203 won an award last year and that's sort of been our go-to 4K Blu-ray player. Well this is uh, this is terrible news then for for the, the high-end 4K Blu-ray player fanciers who are listening right what um, what has brought this about? Is there an official word from Oppo that actually no, there's not said been official more? Word. No there's been there's been unofficial word right I mean I, I think without Discussing the unofficial word, I think it is safe to say that we can say on the record that Oppo is, certainly in China and, and broadly speaking in Asia, Oppo is wildly successful with its smartphones, right? They don't mean a lot in Europe, but... Uh, like a smartphone brand in China. Exactly. And they are, they are literally, I believe, selling them faster than they can make them. And if this is a question of just needing additional capacity... Uh, and giving over space in a factory or utilising different areas of their workforce to turn out these wildly successful smartphones, then chances are they'll have taken the square footage in the factory away from Blu-ray players and handed it over to telephones, yeah? But people that own Oppo products should probably know that existing products will continue to be supported. They've said that warranties are still valid, um, they'll still repair um, the products, and they still will offer updates... Uh, in quote marks time to time so um, whether that means the 4k blu-ray player will still get Dolby Vision which has been long promised is uh, yet to be confirmed but um, if, if it doesn't that's you know that's one of the few 4k blu-ray players that support vision at the moment so it could be worrying for the format if it doesn't well that's true I mean it seems to me I don't know I think we found this generally haven't we that everyone who's offering a Dolby Vision firmware update keeps putting that back and putting that back and putting that back it's happened on these blu-ray players it's happened on some tvs that we've 
that we've reviewed as well that they're going to be Dolby Vision and they're going to be Dolby Vision and, and somehow they're not ever quite Dolby Vision. Yeah, and I don't think we've ever really found out why that's the case, whether it's something to do with the actual manufacturer like Sony or Oppo, or whether it's down to Dolby or, or a mixture of the two. It's one of those things that does seem to drag on or has dragged on for a little while, mm. longer than we'd actually like. But um, yeah, sad news to hear that another manufacturer, or not another one, but Oppo is has kind of decided to, to close that door um, on the AV industry. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, obviously sad news, but it could be good news for you know Panasonic, Sony and Cambridge Audio, who are who also have the strongholds on the 4K Blu-ray player market. Um, and obviously, you know, of course, Cambridge's CXUHD Blu-ray player uses Oppo's electronics, so, you know, that could have an impact. Um, Cambridge have actually, they've told Forbes that... Um, the firmware of the CXUHD will continue to be maintained, as will repair services, and the product will be available for at least another year. So after that, who knows? Okay, so Cambridge, the crossover with Cambridge uh, and Oppo is not total for these machines, though, right? There's quite a lot of proprietary stuff in the Cambridge machine. I think so, but I think for the majority, like for the the main components, I think are probably. I don't know if they're kind of shared between them, so it kind of makes sense that you continue the support. Um, until the, the last one leaves the uh, the warehouse. Okay, well that because that's going to leave. Yeah, I mean that could conceivably then leave Panasonic as 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 the biggest player for this sort of thing, right? I I went to see um, Panasonic in Spain earlier this year, and they were showing this new nine hundred model uh, 4K Blu-ray player. Well, that is a 9,000? 9,000, bigger Yes, 10 times better than I suggested. <laughs> and and a few zeros. <laughs> yeah. And that is Dolby Vision, which is quite... Weird is for it the company, though, or is it expected well, to be Dolby well, Vision? expected, yeah, but um, it's obviously quite odd for the company. You won't support it in their TVs. But. Well, sure. I think. Well, I think I got the impression from Panasonic that this nine thousand um, was almost a sort of a direct response to to the Oppo into the Cambridge players. You know, and they felt like they had to build a real statement disc player that could play everything and was it, it was equipped with everything that it possibly could be, um, so that they can come in, plant their flag. That's right. I mean, it would appear that Oppo have vacated this this territory for them now, anyway. So perhaps yeah. there wasn't quite the need to go to the length they've gone to. <laughs> but they've they've gone there now, so maybe it'll spur a Sony or an LG to kind of uh, enter that market and it's in its place. Well, Sony right have there. some really high end Blu-ray players that do give. I mean, certainly Cambridge's stuff and Oppo stuff a run for its money. So they've got it out there, but maybe more people will get it into their homes. I know their prices are, I think, a little bit higher, so maybe that'll be it. Well, maybe. I mean, I think it's quite a lot of the, the kudos that surrounded the Oppo was because of its real capability as a, uh, as a multifunction machine, right? SACD as well as, as 4K Blu-ray and what have you. I don't know quite if Panasonic or Sony or anyone else can hope to replicate the success across all of the sort of disc formats. No, but, it was kind of a niche product, wasn't it, at that yeah. higher price point? But at the same time, it did cover a lot of bases that a lot of people and enthusiasts wanted covered. Um, so if there are going to be other players coming in, they really are going to miss a trick if they don't kind of t- try and take some of that land back off Oppo, I suppose. Sure. Well, there that's well, there we are in terms of Oppo. Then this is, I, I presumably, we can call this a message to every other Blu-ray player manufacturer. There. The, the high ground has been vacated and it's it's there for the taking, right? Everyone go. Grabs. Excellent. What else in news? news so we, we've just mentioned them, but uh, Cambridge Audio, um, the British company has announced a, a new flagship, no-holds-barred range of hi-fi separates to celebrate its 50th birthday. 
Um, they've called it Edge, and it comprises a streaming preamp, an integrated amp, and a power amp. And the mission was to make the best sounding products it can. Isn't that everyone's mission all the time? I'd be pretty worried if they weren't (laughs) trying to make... We thought we'd made something that was all right. So they're 50 years old now, Cambridge. And and this is by far and away the most expensive stuff we've seen from them, right? Yep. Didn't we have a special top secret look behind the scenes before Christmas? Uh, We did, but it's in the nature of top secret looks that we should never mention it. Uh, go and see them didn't we we had yeah. a preview they look quite interesting don't mm. they? yeah well they certainly i mean am i right in thinking becky that the the electronics here are around three four thousand pounds ago yeah three four five three yeah. four five three four five wow <laughs> i mean that's that's very serious by anyone's standards and particularly cambridge knowing as andy said when we we had a little look uh around the uh the factory at cambridge around christmas time and if nothing else you could say they certainly look the money's worth oh, you get an awful lot of metal for your money Big chunky casework. Obviously, the proof will be in the listing, and hopefully, we'll be able to get our hands on them at some point next month. Future. I ah. think so. Watch this space. Next month, this meaning early May then. Early May, early yes. May. Right, we'll hold you to that. Um, and lastly, Spotify has been in our news section a lot recently, and not just because it's recently gone public. Uh, Rumour has it that it's planned to make a free tier easier to use on mobile. Um, and that's, you know, obviously to attract more users and turn them into paying subscribers. Well, is it me or lately has rumour had it lots of ways with Spotify? <laughs> lots of rumours. As many rumours with Spotify as with Apple. So um, we got, yeah, we got the UI redesign of its web service and we've got its voice assistant that it's also apparently making that people have seen popping up in the apps. And then we've got a new hardware product, which might be a smart speaker, might be a driving mode radio hub yeah there's been a lot of speculation but i mean the only concrete thing that we know is that it posted job ads for hardware production and operations jobs um earlier this year which obviously gives us more of a inkling that it's going to be going into products is this are you this close to telling us you've applied (laughs) but the good news is that there is an event isn't there we have been told there there is is an an event well yes there's a a news announcement yeah a news announcement on the 24th of april um, but, you know, this could maybe firm up some speculation on the hardware front. They could just be talking about their free service. So how is or this working on the 24th? Is it like an event? Are we in attendance? Is it just something they're handing it's out? It's just something that they've they've they, given us a date, and that's about all there, we yeah. know. Yeah. Okay, and you never know, they could even announce their long-awaited, much-anticipated CD quality streaming tour. <sighs> Long-anticipated is uh, an understatement of... of how anticipated that oh, has been. Interestingly, I, I'm a Spotify subscriber and I recently just had a bit of a play around with Tidal. Uh, and obviously they offer CD quality streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of tossing it whether to stick with Spotify or kind of go straight into Tidal and stick with Tidal. But it be interesting to see if they do offer this um, CD quality streaming service solution. Um, I'd certainly be tempted to uh, to stick with them. Well, in your, in your dabblings with, with Tidal lately then, have you found that to be a better sounding streaming service than Spotify? Uh, obviously because they're in increasing quality, yeah, you can tell a difference, yeah. I think, and it, it's, quite a bit, it's quite a big difference. But as with all these kind of services, it comes down to content, and what I found increasingly frustrating is that Spotify will have some tracks and Tidal won't. So sure. I'm kind of having to kind of, I can add stuff to my playlist in Spotify, great, but when I try and find them in Tidal, I'm kind of it's a little bit more restricted, and the kind of curation isn't quite as good as I find it quite good in terms of finding the tracks and obviously you know we've got a hi-fi playlist that goes across these several streaming servers do mm. you find 
that they're, that Tidal doesn't have some of that. Well, I think, to be honest, I think what Andy says pretty much holds every time we update this playlist, which we do once a month, listener. Um, the If we put 20 songs on Spotify that we've chosen between the team, which is why they're so wildly varied our playlists, those 20 Spotify songs, generally 19 or 20 of those will be on Tidal. And the Deezer playlist is generally again about 19 or 20 and we also do a Quobos playlist and that tends to be more like 15 or 16 of the 20 we'd like to put on there so I think I think you're right I think Spotify has the, the widest ranging uh, catalogue I don't think Deezer and, and Tidal are that far behind. No I think it's as, as Andy touched upon earlier it's the, um, the curation side of it um, you know their discovery features I don't, I, I've used all the streaming services and you know and they're not a patch on Spotify's so I think, you know, I, I I also use Tidal as well, but I find myself going to Spotify for recommendations and then actually streaming them and yeah, making a playlist that. myself on Tidal, which, you know, isn't ideal, but that's it's a way of working around. But anyway, we're really interested to see what they've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us on the 24th. It doesn't matter, because really Spotify has all the money they could need, and that's what it comes down to. Well, I they're mean, a public company now, so they're kind of obliged, I suppose... To, to, to try and increase their revenue year on year. I mean, they've got their their, their revenue is, is is huge. Their turnover is huge. Their actual profitability, not nothing like so much. But all you need is the revenue, because like what Tidal's going to fall apart on. When, I mean, music quality aside, is you need a certain number of lawyers in order to pay all the music that's on. And Spotify just got sued recently for not sending people essentially the commissions. Um, so ah, I mean, they've now hired a company. Folder is it? I don't know. Now to help them with all all that. So but to uh, help them not be to, sued. To help them not be sued. <laughs> no, to help is them. To send out the forms that means they can pay people. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Which means, and Tidal has always had stories of not having enough money. Deezer's pretty good, but still, what I'm essentially saying is, you need a vast army of lawyers in order to go out and actually get this stuff done. And if only Spotify has that. I mean, that's the one that people are going to stick with. The more powerful it gets, the better. No, sure enough, you do make a good point. But uh, April the 24th, it is then. All of this uh, speculation can be can be put to bed on April the 24th. So stick with us on whatifi.com and we'll bring it to you as soon as we find out. And that's the news. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about reviews now. We're going to talk specifically, to start with at least, about a review that we've only just published, LG's first OLED TV of 2018, the 55C8. How do we find it, Andy? I think it's fair to say we're pretty big fans, to be honest. Uh, Five stars, as you'll see if you go to whatifi.com and have a look at the review yourself. Yeah, it's obviously been waiting a long time to see what LG's got to offer this year. 2017 was a big year for them, obviously. They picked up the... What Hi-Fi TV Products of the Year Award. Um, so we've been keen to see what their new TVs have to offer. A few weeks ago, I went to Madrid actually with LG to give them, um, they gave us a bit of a spin around all their ranges for 2018. And the C8 was obviously one of the ones that everyone's kind of keeping their eyes on to see how good it is, whether they want to buy one this year, whether they don't. And yeah, we've had it in the test rooms for the last few days actually. Excellent. Because this is what, £3,000 as it stands now? It's fair to say that this time last year, their OLED TVs were a similar sort of money, but it didn't take very long before they were quite a lot more affordable. No, the pricing is quite an interesting thing this year, as it is with all manufacturers. Everyone's obviously keen to see how much they're going to have to pay 
to get the latest TV tech. Um, but for LG, it's slightly different this year. I mean, yes, it costs the same as the equivalent model kind of did last year. But below that this year for 2018 sits the B8 range, which is slightly lower spec. It's got a slightly less advanced picture processor mm -hmm. and processing engine than the C8. So the C8 is £3,000 for the 5050. £3,000, you say? <laughs> yes, £3,000. £3,000. £3,000 for the 55-inch version. Um, but we're still waiting to see the price at the time of recording this podcast for the 55-inch B8. Mm -hmm. um, now, if that comes in around about the 2.5, you've got to think 2.5, maybe 2000 at a push price point. Then it's going to make some really interesting, um, make for some really interesting comparisons against um, its closest rivals later in the year. Yeah, it's a good-looking screen, though, right? I mean, even as an item... You know they've done quite good work. It's very narrow. It's got quite a nice arrangement uh, at the bottom for the for the speakers yeah, to, to kind of yeah, fire forwards a little bit. Have tweaked the design a little bit for this year, and the stand is one of the one of the big points. And yeah, I don't know what you think, but I think it does look better. Mm. We're not wild about the actual sound, though, are we? Um, no, I mean obviously with flat screen TVs, um, there are always certain limitations, um, and obviously we need to compare it to the to its rivals to kind of get a better feel for it. But it was, I mean, it's good. I mean, obviously the picture quality is where all the actions are and for standard definition, high definition, 4K, HDR, it ticks all the boxes. And um, I think we find that it's it produces a, it's not a, a huge improvement on last year, but I think it is a it's a noticeable improvement, uh, which is really all you can ask for, I think. And once you get that high up, I mean, any improvement is still it's just eking out more detail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if this picture processors can, uh, it's all very, very advanced. Um, it promises better noise reduction, better colours, all the usual things that, that you'd expect the TV manufacturer to kind of focus on for their new, new ranges. And, and from what we've seen, it, it certainly delivers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been really lucky. You know, it's a great time of year, the last couple of weeks, where we are getting the first wave of 2018 TVs coming. We've had the Samsung, we've had one from Samsung, one of their cute. Uh, you know, top range QLEDs. We've had the LG that we've been talking about. I've had one from Sony, and you know, we're lucky in our test rooms that we've been able to put the, the three side by side. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, we did that last week, and it really was. You know, the quality is is so good. And you know, it's a lot of a lot of what we're saying. You know, it comes down to preference. Mm -hmm. You know, the quality is so good, it's so broad. So I think, as you were saying before, it really will come down to the pricing. You know, Sony's got a 55 inch OLED it's a new one that's that's only two and a half grand um, yeah it's only quite interesting this year because they haven't really they <laughs> say only yeah but com you know well, everything's relative of course it is yeah, yeah I mean Sony being, Sony's quite interesting case this year because the A1 OLED um, flagship still continues from last year and obviously that is now quite heavily discounted compared to when it first came out so they're in quite a good position at the moment um, we're still waiting to see the F AF8 OLED I think it is. is it AF8? AF8? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's one we haven't seen yet, but hopefully, I mean, theoretically on paper, it should be quite similar to the A1. I don't think too much has changed apart from the stand design. Um, but that's another one that we're definitely looking forward to, to getting our hands on. Cool. Yeah. So but as you said, it'll be interesting to see what the LG B8 prices are like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There was a price, also the picture quality, where that processor that's in the C8 is actually visibly a heck of a lot better than the than the one in the B. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the real truth with everyone's OLED, right? Because everyone's got to go to LG to buy their actual panel because LG have rather gratifyingly for them cornered the market right in big OLED displays. And anyone who wants to build an OLED TV has to go to LG and buy their panel. And then they apply their processing. And, you know, and Sony did that better than anyone last year. But LG are up and running here now for 2018, and it's a really, really good start. Yeah, and obviously Samsung aren't 
um, producing OLED at this time, nor will they probably ever produce one. But we've seen their QLED TVs, and obviously they present a slightly different picture character, I suppose, if one of a better word, compared to some of its some of its rivals. And they're definitely in the mix this year. I think their QLEDs last year were maybe some of them were really good, some were a little bit maybe disappointing for the money. But I think this year, from what we've seen so far, they've got a real good chance of of doing something special. I think. Yeah, I think last year when they introduced the technology, when we actually went to review them, we just found that. You know, they do achieve those, you know, brighter images, but they just struggled a little bit on contrast. But this year, as we saw in the 65 Q9F, they've brought in um, direct backlighting rather than edge light. And, you know, that's that's made the real difference in terms of, you know, that even contrast. It also um, gives them a slightly better chance of matching the um, black levels for, for OLED, which is obviously yeah, a traditional absolutely. strength of OLED tech. Well, I think there's an entire podcast to be done on QLED versus OLED, but I'm not suggesting we do it now. <laughs> Cool. What else has uh, what else has uh, tickled our fancy reviews wise lately? There's this massive Luxman integrated amplifier which has got what six thousand pounds more. It's about six thousand pounds, isn't it? But it's got two VU meters on it, so oh, well, already that's... you're most of the way to justifying the price, right? Plus, it's a great sounding <laughs> product as well. Um, what else? Optima, five thousand pounds worth of four K laser projector. Yep. That's got UHZ lasers. 65. UHZ sixty five, yep, which is the laser version of the UHD sixty five, which you gave an award to, of yeah. course. Obviously, that, last how much year. was that? Three. That was three thousand. So um, obviously, this is a little bit more expensive. But for a laser projector, it isn't really. This is one of the more affordable laser projectors okay. we've seen. Well, do um, we think seen this is worth two thousand pounds more than a three thousand pound projector? Yeah, I mean they're quite different propositions and the reason why laser's been you know is more expensive um you know it does bring considerable advantages over lamps you know you've got the longer lifetime you know, six five or six times more of a normal lamp uh, probably out last year um no warm up or cool down time <laughs> well, we're really, Thanks for that. you know yeah. some of these are like thirty thousand hours sure. you know that you know the normal light that's a lord of the rings trilogy every day i think Oh, you'd love that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Harry Potter. Okay, cool. And the other thing I was going to touch on out of reviews that we've done recently are the Fine Audio F302s. Now, Fine Audio are a brand new uh, speaker manufacturer, and this is the second pair of their speakers we've reviewed. There are floor standards that cost £400, and the market is not what you'd call a wash with £400 floor standards, let alone good ones, but these are good, right? I mean, yeah, they're... We looked at them. We liked them. <laughs> did what we listen to them? Is more to the point. And we did listen to them. We liked them as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's an interesting story to Fine Audio. I don't know how much we're we going to get. We want to go into it in the podcast, but I suppose we could do. I yeah, we can touch on this. It's oh, it's a it's it's not a secret. Quite, I don't think. No, it's common knowledge that Fine Audio guys, obviously a company, I believe, is made up from quite a lot of ex tannoy mm-hmm. uh, engineers who've obviously decided to go it alone, produce their own speaker range. Um, um, and our, we've, seen, we've reviewed two pairs, I think, so far, mm-hmm. both of which we've really quite liked. So it's quite a good start for them. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I say, £400 for floor, for good floor standards is, is, is by no means uh, a common thing. So the more choice there is at that sort of part of the market, the better. Excellent. That'll do us for reviews for now. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about our visit to Apple's HomePod HQ in far off America. Well, yeah, um, our own Tom Parsons went there to have a bit of a look around, um, stood in the chambers where everything was being tested. Um, it's a testament to Apple that what Hi-Fi essentially got invited because, I mean, you don't invite what Hi-Fi to listen to your product unless you think it sounds great. Mm. So even looking at the prototypes it sounded great. And acoustics are, you know, really high priority for the HomePod. It's the best sounding smart speaker out there, even if it's not the 
best, for use of the word best, smart speaker that is available. And especially when designing something like that, you need to take into consideration stuff like how smartphones and other connected devices will interfere with the signal, how well it's going to survive in not just soundproof conditions, but with various walls and in various uh, positions and that sort of thing. So it's impressive that Apple took a lot of time to no, I think, I think you're yeah, right. I mean, they should. well, they should, but they, they they haven't automatically in the past, right? I mean, Apple have always uh, produced quite desirable products and and with 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 a tremendous range of functionality. But I think it's safe to say that the audio products that we'd have from them in the past, whether it was headphones or iPod docks, were pretty underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, the kind of track record and the pure hardware, like the audio mm-hmm. hardware side of things, hasn't been amazing, shall we say? I mean, I think the iPod speaker. Um, we've got three stars. We really disliked that, didn't we? Yeah, um, so you're always kind of wondering in the back of your head how much do Apple actually really care about the audio side of the products? Mm. Obviously, their phones we really like, they sound yeah. really good, um, but you're not quite sure whether behind the scenes the guys there are, are kind of um, that's high on the top of the list of priorities. But I think this kind of trip that, we're, that Tom went on kind of changed them. Um, mm could change quite a few opinions about that. Well, I think so. I mean, if you have a look at whatHiFi.com, you'll see that Apple have spent a not inconsiderable amount of money purely on the facility to develop this loudspeaker, right? They've got more anechoic chambers there than I think anybody else in North America. Yeah, I mean, Sonus's might be, you know, bigger, but it's still impressive and, you know, the foam's all over. It's quite nice, actually. Um, One of the aspects that I enjoyed most about that feature is the noise and vibration team uh, has been about at Apple for 15 years. It was apparently started to look at, like, fan and hard disk noise in Apple computers, and now it's being used to make really good hi-fi for use of the word hi-fi. Do you think they have that on their business cards? Noise and vibration. (laughs) (laughs) I would. (laughs) And apparently the Beats team contributed as well. Uh, Selected members of the Beats team got to come in and listen to it. So it's another testament that the HomePod sounded so good even after the Beats team. Even after the Beats people have been at it. Stuck their beaks in. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. Uh, Justified harshness. But it is a monster of a feature and I would recommend anyone. I think everyone should have a look at that because, um, because we spent a good amount of time there and we wrote a good amount of words about it. And especially in the context that, well, according to Bloomberg, um, it's not selling that well either, which is interesting. The amount that they've spent actually making the HomePod work and mm. making it sound so good and, you know, their orders that Apple have sent out in order to get this thing manufactured have apparently been changed and decreasing. Um um, between the three competitors, if we're doing sort of Apple, Amazon, and Google, I mean, Apple has the smallest amount of that market share with 10%, mm-hmm. Google's 14 Amazon's 73 Do you actually know how many of these products they're selling, though? I think that's what kind of... Well, it, I think that, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I think the sales are slow compared to the targets that set themselves. But this is an Apple target, isn't it? So. Well, this happened, didn't it happen with the, uh, with the watch, right? The initial sales of the watch apple were quite disappointed by but it kind of matured and it took off and this speaker i mean we like the sound of this speaker right this is the best sounding smart speaker we've heard but we made the point and we're not the only people to have made the point that it's quite restricted you can't make a stereo pair it's not multi-room it's not yet. bluetooth yeah yet for all of this but yeah, and um, still got some way to go with siri as well this lack of flexibility is what is Playing probably the price as well. I think obviously Amazon and Google stuff is a little yeah, bit cheaper than absolutely. that. And the Apple stuff is almost twice the price. So in well, some it, ways I'm not massively surprised that it's not selling yeah. by the iPhone load. Yeah, well I think a lot of, you know, the argument a lot of people make is so you can get two Sonus 1s and obviously the, the latest Sonus 1s do have 
voice control as well. You can buy two of those for three fifty. So you've got a stereo set up, you know, almost for the price it's of one. has been in the market for how many years? Well, exactly, know, Apple's yeah. this is their kind of first stab at it, so it's never going to be uh, a runaway success. I don't think straight away. Yeah, especially if it is, you know, the same as the Apple. Watch. Apple is certainly seeing it in the same as the Apple Watch in terms of in terms of checking how many they've sold. The numbers will come in as part of their like other applications bit, which includes the watch. So we will never really get any solid numbers on how much it's sold. But to some others, it'll just be well, you know, it's an extra Apple product. It's more things that you can have with a ecosystem that's very lovely. So potato, potato to some points. <laughs> if anyone ever said potato, I would, <laughs> I would get behind that. Excellent. Well, those are a few of the things that you can enjoy in What Hi-Fi magazine and at whathifi.com and some of the things that have been exercising us lately. Uh, I have been looking at our YouTube channel and I have pulled out a couple of comments from below the line there, which I think are worth sharing uh, with the audience. And then uh, we'll say to So let's have a look at what we had at the bottom of a quite an old B, uh, Bowers and Wilkins loudspeaker video review that we published on YouTube. Uh, stop advertising and pushing these Chinese-made junk. They are not made in England, no matter what you call these. Need to change the name. Chinese and Chinese. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Someone's exercised by that. Uh, and then this, I quite enjoyed this. Vinyl does sound better in a euphoric way than CD if you choose the best vinyl. Although CD does sound better if you're going for 100% fidelity. Yeah, at least they didn't say vinyls. Thank you. Yeah, they we have just got it in twice. <sighs> yes, but only to only to denigrate it. Well, those are a few of the things that have been exercising us at What Hi-Fi Magazine and on WhatHiFi.com. Thanks very much for joining us, and thank you, Adam. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Becky, for being with us. And we'll see you again soon on your favourite podcast provider.